0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise be to God. Uh, Glory and honor is the Lord. I'm uh, Lords. I'm so glad and uh, thankful to be back on this call. Um, You'll notice I'm in a slightly different setting. Uh, Small testimony, God is good. I'm actually right now in Oklahoma. And um, I'm here for a one-month training uh, in preparation for my residency. And so somebody asked earlier, where is she right now? I'm in Oklahoma. That's the answer to that question. Uh, love you, Reshma. That is good. Please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number four. Come with me to the book of Ephesians chapter four. And we're going to read from verses 13 to 15, 13 to 16, actually. Ephesians chapter four, verses 13 to 16. While you're uh, flipping your scriptures uh, to that passage, just as a quick note, I, w- I wanted to appreciate the theme uh, that has been selected for uh, this week, this Connecticut Takeover Week. Uh, I, I, You know, I realized just at the beginning of this call that I, I, fi- I don't know, I finally I think it clicked in my head that it's Get Connected because it's Connecticut Week. Anyway, uh, maybe I'm just really late. Maybe I'm super slow. Ephesians chapter 4, appreciate the theme, 13 to 16. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, our Christ. From whom the whole body... Here's our most important verse, joined and knit together by by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Praise be to God. As we talk about for the rest of the week on the theme of getting connected, I thought to myself, uh, connecting to God, you know, is is fairly simple, right? You call on the name of Jesus, you seek the, the presence of God, and the Lord will lead you to the rest. I think that for some reason, as a modern society and even as a modern church, one of the areas where we actually really struggle in connection is actually connecting to each other inside the body of Christ. For some reason, it's a bit harder for us to walk in unity. It's we're finding it a bit difficult to hold on to unity. All of a sudden, you know, our unity is is not so solid. We are we are divided. Uh, we are a bit confused, like the Bible says, like children tossed. To and fro with every wind of doctrine when this doctrine blows that way we are blown away that way when another doctrine comes this way we are blown this way and all of a sudden we find ourselves without the unity without the connected nature that exists in the trinity of god The best exemplification of the perfect connection is the Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit, who all in their respective personhoods have accomplished mighty and great things. And yet none competes with the other. None is upset with the other. None does anything without the company and uh, uh, the moving of the other. None disagrees with each other. They all move and breathe and exist within each other so the best example of connecting is is seen in the very trinity of god that though as individual personhoods jesus came to the world and died and rose from the dead the father spoke and bam everything existed the holy spirit came and bam everything existed and the holy spirit came and bam the gospel movement took Right, You can attribute major events from creation to the end of the world to even individual personhoods within the Trinity, but not one person in that Trinity will ever say, I did it. They will always say, we, hallelujah. Let us make man in our image, hallelujah. We will come and, 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 and make our dwelling among him. If I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens, we will come. And make our dwelling among him. Hallelujah. God is so good. And so I encourage you today. If you are truly questioning. How can I connect? How can I connect? What does it mean to have unity? How should the church be united? How do we know that we as a church are united? Your best standard. Your best. You know the standard to which you can measure yourself against. Is the very trinity of God. Hallelujah. Look, if we cannot operate like the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit operate in one connection to each other here on earth, then imagine what a chaotic world heaven can be. I think this is why the Lord will only take a handful of people when he comes. That might be good news to some of you. That might be scary news to some of you. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that for some people, that's a dreadful day. But for the children of God, it is a day of no surprises. Hallelujah. I think only a handful will make it up there because God expects heaven to truly exemplify his nature. Heaven is everything that God is about. And nothing that's beyond his nature will ever enter into heaven. That's like darkness wanting to enter light. It's never going to happen. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 13 and we'll work our way from there. Verse 13 says, until we all come to the unity of the faith. Hallelujah. Look, the Bible explains to us in the previous verses. I don't have time to go into the previous verses. But the previous verses basically are talking about a five-fold ministry. I want to briefly touch and move on. I don't have time. Briefly touching. Apostles, right? Let me read for you very quickly. We have apostles, we have prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five types of amazing leadership roles. Hallelujah. And I want you to just do a quick comparison, if you would, a small exercise with me. I want you to look at this leadership structure in the first century church and then compare it to the leadership structure in our modern day church. There were apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, pastors, and evangelists, right, In in the first century church. Now we have senior pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor, worship pastor, children's pastor. Hallelujah. What went wrong? What went wrong? Hallelujah. Something kind of went wrong. It looks a lot different from the leadership structure that God himself established. If you want to learn more about it, there's a good hierarchy to this in First Corinthians 12, 28. You can just note it down. Hallelujah, and you will, uh, you will be able to see it really good. First Corinthians 12, 28 uh, onwards, you can see that there's actually a hierarchy to this. God appointed first apostles, then prophets, and so on and so forth it goes. Interestingly enough, tongues and healings and miracles come at the bottom of that list. But man, people get upset when I mention that. Anyway, I'm moving on. Here's what the Bible says. This fivefold ministry, these people will work in unity... So the apostle is not in competition with the prophet? Oh, that's interesting. So the prophet is not in competition with the evangelist then. So the evangelist won't get mad if you went to another pastor's church. Oh, you mean it's okay if I went and listened to this person who's preaching something that I think I'm growing from? See, this is I'm not encouraging you to, you know, ditch this place and go to that place. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there shouldn't be anger and chaos and confusion about do I follow this person or do I follow that person? If I go to this pastor's church, that pastor will get upset. There's none of this. I think there is an inherent problem in how we have set up our leadership structure. We have inherently developed a leadership model that only promotes competition, not unity. Hallelujah. My dear brothers and sisters, as we, the younger generation, continue to grow in our training, as we grow in the word of God, as we grow in the relationship with with God and with each other, my encouragement to you is to shoot literally for for the stars. Shoot literally to operate like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operate. See, when hope preaches, I am not upset. I'm so glad I'm I'm over here. Like, Yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, so glory to God. Right, And when I'm a waitress, I am very, very glad. I am not in competition with anybody, right? I'm encouraging you to continue this behavior. I'm encouraging spread as prayer house. That's one thing that I'm learning and I'm noticing in this group. That it's there. And, I, and, and no, I don't believe in tinks So don't think I'm jinxing. I really don't believe in it. I believe that if you're intentional about this, you know, like when Philly did something, Connecticut didn't say, oh, I'm not coming to prayer house. Right? We all showed up. We all encouraged. We all, you know, and exhorted them. We want to encourage you. We want you to grow. We want you to use your gifts and callings for the glory of God and to expand God's kingdom. That's what the Bible says. These five, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, and the pastors, they work together until when, until we all, who all, the believers come to the unity of the faith. You know when that will be, you know when the ultimate unity of faith will happen? There's the Republican convention, there's the Democratic convention, there's Pentecostal convention, there's Presbyterian convention. But the best of all will be the convention at Mount Olivet when Jesus Christ will come back again you will all convene that day hallelujah and i pray that i'm found in the uh, i'm found in the list of people that will convene in the at the foot of, my, of the mount of olives as he went so he will return hallelujah and my prayer my my dear brothers and sisters is that we would all be found there in the unity of our faith so what unites us is our faith That tells me what you believe in will determine how well you can work with people. Hallelujah. Look, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, then yes, you're going to work well with those that have the same belief. But I'm actually challenging you that as Pentecostals, yes, you believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you believe in baptism. Yes, I believe in water baptism and all those things. I believe it. I practice it and I teach it 100%. However, if I met someone that doesn't believe it, that doesn't mean I divide myself and move on. I encourage him to find the truth. That is called the unity of faith. Hallelujah. Hey, you believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You're created by God. I'm created by God. We are united by one factor, the God factor. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So I'm moving really quickly because I want to take you to another place in a minute. The Bible tells us without this unity of faith, I'm going to highlight for you based on the following three verses, the church will look like this. Number one, the church will be an incomplete church. Without the unity of faith, the church is an incomplete church. Look what the Bible says. Until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, until we all are united to the point where we have grown in unity to the same stature, to the same standard where Jesus Christ is. Hallelujah. That means you have attained that fullness. You have attained literally perfection. Hallelujah. The only way any one of you can be perfect. We all know that I'm not perfect. Hope is not perfect. Anu is not perfect. Reshma is definitely not perfect. None of us is perfect. Love you, Reshma. I love picking on her so much. It's so joy-giving. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible tells us that when we are not united, we truly become incomplete. Individually, we are not perfect. But when we are united by one faith, By one God, by one gospel, by one name, that name is Jesus. We become, together, a perfect man. Hallelujah. Yes, individually, I'm lacking many things. But when I come together with people of the same faith, united by the name of Jesus and the faith in the name of Jesus, we become perfect. We become one perfect man, resembling the same fullness that Jesus Christ has. So we become a complete church then. Without which, right, in case you don't have that, in case you're not united, you are an incomplete church. Praise be to God. Number two, not only are you an incomplete church, verse 14 would teach you, you become an immature church. You are acting like children, he says, that we become like children, tossed to and fro. You are an immature church. Hallelujah. We as a body of Christ become incomplete without unity. We become immature without unity. That's exactly how we got here. That's exactly why when a new doctrine comes, we are tossed. That's exactly why when this person does something, all the miracles and wonders and everything's happening, 99.9% of it looks good. But that 0.1% is poisonous. You You guys know what rat poison is, right? Rat poison is 99.9% like cheese. Only 0.1% of it is what? Is poison. But roach killers. Hopefully, you don't have roaches. But I can't. Roach killers. You, know, you look at the ingredient, 99% of it is just water. It's just a solvent holding something poisonous. So when you spray it, 99.9% is water, 0.1% is poisonous. So when somebody is preaching something or teaching something, 99.9% looks great. But that 0.1% is poisonous. But look, it takes an adult to see the 0.1% and say, I should probably not drink the roach killer. Because the little kid will think, oh, look, it's juice. And he'll drink it. Which is scary, right? That's why the Bible says, without the unity of the faith, you become immature children. That's how false people can come to our altars and they can preach and we're still like, hallelujah, Sodram. And we can't figure it out, which is true, which is false. Is this true or is this not? But look, signs and wonders are happening. How How come it's all happening? God must be in it. We can't figure it out. Because we're still children. And Peter yells at the church. He literally yells. I mean, his letter could be in caps lock all the way through. He he writes the letter. He says, you people should be teachers by now, but you're like babies drinking milk. I think it was Francis Chan who said, if I looked at my church and told them to come the following Sunday, dressed up according to their spiritual age, most people would show up in diapers. That wasn't me. Y'all can go take it up with Francis Chan. An immature church we become when? When we are not in the unity of the faith in Christ Jesus. Number three, not only are you are, you, are we an incomplete and an immature church, verse 15 and 16 tell us we become an immobile church. We go nowhere. We've been worked. we've been at it for 20 years. Hallelujah! Sotram 20 years ago, 20 years have gone by. You've still not accomplished anything. You've not gone anywhere. You've become an immobile church. Look by what it says, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint is supplying something. And every joint is doing its fair share. And it causes growth and edification of the church. The joints in your body are, are, the, are the reasons you put one foot in front of the other, right? The joints supply a forward growth motion, but we don't have that because the knee joint ain't connected to the hip joint like it should be. I don't know. Kindergarten taught you that the knee joint is connected to the hip joint and the hip joint is connected. So on and so forth. I don't know what comes up the joint. But look, the Bible, even nursery rhymes taught us this, but we're not connected. When you're not connected, you become an immobile church. We go nowhere. The gospel has not gone anywhere from that church. It has it's been sitting in that church. One time I went to a church, uh, no mentions, no places, no names. But just listen to the point of the story. Went to a church, thought it was pretty impressive. The name was International Blah Blah Blah. Okay, International Blah 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 Church. Now I went to International Blah 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 Church. Of course, I was new to the ministry, you know, I was naive back then. As a young preacher, I was very naive. So I thought, wow, this is an international church. I'm so blessed. God is so good. You know, I was praising God all the way through. I went to international blah, blah, blah church. And I saw that everyone sitting in front of me looked exactly like me. praise the Lord I came to find out it was really just a Malayali church. And then I came to find out after three days of meetings and, you know, interacting with people, that they're all actually somehow related to one another. So it was really one big family meeting prayer, family prayer. But international so-and-so, 20 years, what has been accomplished? Not much. We become an immobile church because there's no unity of the faith, my sisters and my brothers. So my encouragement to you in these last days, as we seek to become the church church, the body of Christ, Jesus. if you really want to represent Jesus as a body Unity. Get connected to your brother. Hallelujah. Forget getting connected to God. Jesus God. The Gospel of John says, speaks about this. How can you say you love God? You can't even love the person next to you in the pew? You have a 20 year long grudge against the person sitting behind you in church, but you claim that you're connected to God, but you can't even connect to your brother next to you, your sister next to you. No wonder we have become an incomplete an immature and an immobile church. My challenge to the young generation, you guys, you listen to me, whatever church you belong to, whatever community you belong to, your first and foremost goal is to be a peacemaker. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You want to be a child of God. Through you, there must be peace in every place you go to. Hallelujah. Peace and unity will follow everywhere you go. If you're truly a child of God, a son of God and a daughter of God. Hallelujah. Praise and honor be to God. So before I go, I'm going to highlight for you within five minutes how we can pursue a more perfect union of the church. How can we pursue a more perfect union? Number one, we pursue it with acts of love, with acts of love. I want to show you in the book of Philemon, chapter one. Come with me. The book of Philemon, chapter one. Let me read for you. Philemon chapter one. Philemon is right after Titus, which is right after Second Timothy. So if you're next to like Zechariah in, in the Old Testament, you're really far away. Okay, Philemon chapter one. Let's read verse 10. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now he is profitable to you and to me. I'm skipping to verse uh, 15. Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. Receive him as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. A little quick uh, background about Onesimus. His name is so long, I'm just going to call him Timmy. I I just like the name Timmy. All right. So I'm just going to call him Timmy. Timmy was a runaway slave. My time is running up. Timmy was a runaway slave. He was the slave of a man named Philemon, which this might surprise you. In verse 2, it says he was running a church in his house. Philemon 1, 2, to the church in your house. So he's a pastor of a church, which he is running from his house. He's a pastor. He's a minister. He's a friend of Paul and a brother to Paul. And he had a slave named Onesimus. Right Now this kid runs away and it actually turns out when you read verse 17 and 18, it gives you the understanding and the impression that he had probably stolen something from Philemon that now needed to be repaid. So Paul says, whatever he owes you, whatever loss you incurred because of this kid, because of Timmy and his, you know, uh, his little kleptomania problem, just stealing stuff, I will repay it to you, Philemon. But see, Paul's challenge is not just take him back as your slave. He says to Philemon, let's call him Pastor Philemon. He's running a church in his house. So here's Pastor Philemon. Pastor Phil, I'm asking you, Pastor Phil. I'm sending Timmy back to you. But don't just take him back as your slave. Take him back as your brother. But Paul, he stole from me. I mean, we we are running a ministry in our home and he stole from me. So he really stole from the ministry, right? So basically somebody who dipped in the offering box type of deal. Pretty bad, right? You ended up in the prison as a runaway slave, a thieving, conniving, manipulative runaway slave. You ended up in jail, came across a man named Paul who then accepted you as his own son. I begot him. He's my begotten. I love it. The same language the father uses for the son, Jesus Christ. Paul uses for Onesimus. Paul says, I have begotten him in my chains and I'm going to send him back to you. I would rather keep him for myself because verse 9 says Paul was old by now. Paul says, I am an aged man. I'm an old guy. I wish I could keep my son, but I'm sending him back to you because I want you to accept him as a brother. What was Philemon's response? I don't know, but I can gather it when I read Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. When you read Colossians 4, 7 through 9, you find there that Paul sends Onesimus as a leader, as a minister to the Colossian church, much like he sent Timothy to the Ephesian church. So hold on a second, hold on a second. So he went from a lying, thieving, conniving, runaway slave with a criminal record in the prison, was sent back to Philemon, Pastor Phil, with a little postcard note, with a little post-it note that said, please accept him. Whatever he owes you, I'll pay you back. But accept him as your brother. This is my challenge to you, Pastor Phil. So he sends this little post-it note. And I can only imagine Onesimus, like, uh, my mom gave you a note and giving it to the little teacher. And, you know, my dad gave me a note and Pastor Phil probably read it. But it tells me that he went from being a prisoner with Paul, a slave, a thieving slave, to being a minister that was then sent to take of the Colossian church. How did that happen? It tells me that Philemon must have accepted him. It tells me probably that Philemon accepted him not as a slave, but truly as a brother, and enough to train him. Probably, I'm gathering this. I'm inferring this. I can't give. You, I can't prove you literal verses, but it's an inference I'm making. How could this kid go from a runaway thieving slave to a man who was sent to the Colossian church to minister there? The only way is if is if Pastor Phil read the little little dad's note and then accepted Onesimus. And said, I forgive you, man. Come on. You, from this day onwards, you my brother. Acts of love is how we unite each other, my friend. Acts of love is how the church can come together. Acts of love is how we go from thieving, lying, imperfect people to becoming perfect in the eyes of God. Acts of love that unite us as a church. Accept the people around you, even if they have bad pasts. Can you do it? I mean, My challenge to you is this. Do it. Do it. Accept them. Love them. Embrace them. Show them the gospel with your life. Show them the love of God and train them to go on and change somebody else's life. Praise be to God. Acts of love. Number two. Acts of labor. Acts of labor in the book of 1 Corinthians. I don't have time to read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. Paul writes to them, not as just a brother or a preacher. Paul writes to them a powerful uh, note. Actually, I think I will read for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read for you verse 15. Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. You have 10,000 preachers. Anybody can preach. Listen, coming to prayer house and preaching for 40 minutes, that's easy. 10,000 people can do that. You have 10,000 preachers. But me, I'm not just a preacher. I'm a father to you. I'm a father to you. And if there are any fathers on the line, which I don't know if, if there are, I think there might be. I want, you, I want to just divert your attention back towards verse 11. Same chapter backwards verse 11. To the present hour. We are hungry, we are thirsty, we are poorly clothed, we are beaten, we are homeless, and we are laboring, working with our own hands, being reviled, we are blessing you, being persecuted, we are enduring it, being defamed, we are pleading on behalf of you. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. Hallelujah. And verse 10 says, we are fools for Christ, but you are wise. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we, we are dishonored. Look at his labor. He says in verse 12, I'm laboring with my own two hands. Why? Because I feel like I'm a father to you. I'm a father to you. So it's okay if people think I'm a fool. Because when they see me as a fool, they see that you're wise. Any fathers in the line, they would all tell you that they became fools so that you guys can look good. Right? Our parents worked at 7-Eleven and McDonald's and Burger King. Right? All, All these places, they became undistinguished so that you could become honored. Any father will tell you that he would look like a fool. He would become weak. He would become uh, undistinguished, indistinguished. So that his children can look good. So that his children can be wise, honored, and strong. It's okay if I'm going hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, beaten, I'm homeless. It's okay. But I want you, my children, I want you to grow and look good in the world. I want you to go and make an impact in the world. He's laboring. This is how you have a perfect union in the church. This is how you do it. You labor for each other, right? So, so that Anu can look good, I'm willing to go and look stupid, right? That shows I'm laboring on behalf of my sister right is so that if somebody is sick and if and if i want them to get better i'm willing to toil really hard even if that makes me weak so that this person can gain their strength a more perfect union in christ get connected get connected to your brother love people around you connect with them like christ connected with you and finally acts of loyalty loyalty to each other and to our churches, to our communities, loyalty, everywhere we go, loyalty. I'm going to wrap it up in a second, but I believe I've already given you this example. Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 23 says, and Matthias and and Barsabbas were elected to be chosen. One of them would be chosen as the 12th apostle. I think I've shared this with you already, so I'm going to skip, skim through it real fast. Matthias was chosen, Barsabbas wasn't. But the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 15, verse 22 and 32, that this very barnabas didn't stand there and say, I gave my blood and sweat and tears for this church. But you have not elected me as the apostle. He didn't get upset. He didn't get offended. He was loyal to the church because you find him in chapter 15 building up a church in Antioch with the same people that didn't pick him. Hallelujah. They didn't pick him. He didn't have a title. He didn't have a reputation, but he was loyal to his God. He was loyal to his calling as a prophet in verse 32 or 15. As a prophet, he was loyal. As a minister, he was loyal. As a brother, he worked, continued to work with them. Just because I'm not distinguished or honored or I didn't get some special treatment, doesn't mean I ditch the church and go somewhere and respect it. Stop that. Cut it out. When we do things like this, truly, we become an incomplete and immature and an immobile church. I think it's about time that you guys, along with the rest of the remnant in the world, that we as the children of God, as the new generation coming up, I think it's about time that we began a process to say we will no longer be an incomplete church. We will become united so that we can be a perfect person. Together, one person, a one perfect man in the eyes of God. I think it's about time you all stood up and said, we will not be children anymore. We will not be immature, grumbling, begrudging, angry, nasty, attituded people. I think it's about time we decided, as a church, we are moving forward. We're going to be a mobile church, not an immobile church. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God. We come before you. We come before you with much repentance, with a heart full of repentance. Lord, we have wronged your church. We have wronged the ministry. We have wronged you. We have. By becoming a divisive generation, a competitive generation, an angry, begrudging generation, divided on matters that are truly simple. Matters of truth that can be interpreted easily with the help of the Holy Spirit, but we use our minds, we use our wisdom, we use our degrees. We create our own philosophies and we divide ourselves from each other. We seek your forgiveness. Today, we lay it all down and count it all as garbage in the name of Jesus. Lord, we take it and throw it into the trash can of history where it belongs right now, Father God. And we are committing today as prayer house. As believers, as brothers and sisters, we commit today to become a generation that pursues unity in the faith. I pray right now that every one of us would grow in acts of love, acts of labor, and acts of loyalty all the days of our lives. Teach us to not just be hearers, but doers. To not just be preachers, but practicers. We submit to you completely and wholeheartedly. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Feel free to leave us a rating or share with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and continue to listen for his voice. And we'll see you again next time.